What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode four of Preloaded, the podcast dedicated to previewing all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games that you should definitely have on your radar. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Mr. Jackson Vanover. How are you doing, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. I'm really excited. We have a jam-packed show today. Yes, we do. We have a lot to talk about, including some new PS5 details, including a release date rumor. We're going to talk about the next Ubisoft forward stream. And just today, as we're recording, we got some news about a couple of really exciting new Mario games. So we're going to get into all of that, plus a discussion about live service games. Are there too many live service games or are they actually good for video games? So definitely stay tuned, but before we get into any of that, we have some housekeeping to go over. Preloaded posts every Monday. You can catch the video version over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's JV on YouTube. If you're not subscribed, just go to YouTube and search J-A-Y-V-E-E. Or if you prefer to listen, you can catch the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms and you actually enjoy the podcast, we'd love to ask you to leave a five-star review, or if you're feeling generous, you could even leave a written review, and that'll help Jackson and I as we try to turn this podcast into a thing. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And we welcome all of your comments and your feedback, but we'd love to hear your questions. If there's anything that you want to hear Jackson and I talk about on the following week's show, we read all of our messages and we'll try to get to as much of the questions and topics that you send in on the next week's show. So thanks for writing in. And speaking of questions, we are going to kick things off with a question of the week. And we thought that we'd do something a little different this week. We're going to pitch our own question so you guys can kind of get to know us. And we're going to lean into the topic of the week, which is live service games. And Jackson, I want to ask, what is your favorite live service game? That's a great question, Josh. And the one that immediately comes to mind for me is, funny enough, the original Destiny. That's when live service for me started kicking off outside of like the MMO space, you know, when you got expansion after expansion. So Destiny was like big, it was bungee, it was exciting at the time. And I just fell in love with that experience for about the first three months. So I have a really fond memory of just that part of Destiny. So that's my answer. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't get into Destiny all that much. I've tried both one and two. But for me, the My favorite live service game is actually an MMO from back in the day. It's still around, but Guild Wars 2. I couldn't get into World of Warcraft, but I really wanted to get into an MMO. And for some reason, when I tried Guild Wars 2, I think it might have been that the visuals were a little more up to date, at least for the time. And uh, I just played that game for, it was only a couple of months, but I just played nothing but Guild Wars 2. That world just sucked me in and I I really enjoyed it. But I haven't played a whole lot of live service games since then. But uh, we will talk more about that later in the show. For now, let's get into uh, the news about games coming out. We have our section out this week, where every week we cover the Games of note that come out starting on the Monday that the show posts all the way through the following Friday. 
And it's a bit of a light week this week. We have three games on the list that I'm going to get into, and two of them actually aren't even full games. So on the 8th of September, I believe that's a Tuesday. Let me actually double check that on my... Yes, the 8th of September, Tuesday, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. So the remake of Kingdoms of Amalur comes out. And then on that same day, on Tuesday, we have a expansion for The Sims 4. It's the Star Wars Journey to Batu, which is a game pack themed after the Galaxy's Edge lands, I guess, at the Disney parks. And then we have the Outer Worlds DLC, Peril on Gorgon, which comes out on September 9th, that Wednesday. Any of these appeal to you, Jackson? Not really. Honestly, the Outer Worlds is a great game, but I don't think I'm going to have time to play Peril on Gorgon, so I'm going to pass on that. And then Kingdoms of Amalur, I didn't actually play the original game. I tried to, couldn't get into it, so I'm not really nostalgic for playing a remake like that. I am actually quite excited about Re-Reckoning. I don't know if I'm going to have the time to play it, though. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I hear you, like, it's a remake, and it's an old game, but I've heard so many good things about that game, and I know a lot of people really like the combat, and as far as kind of open-world RPGs go, it's one of the, uh, I think it's one of the better-reviewed ones of the previous generation, so if I have time, I'll I'll dig into that, but we'll see. There's a lot to play right now. Uh, and speaking of, we got a bunch of reviews from the games that came out last week. Let's take a look at our review roundup. Uh, first off, we have a pair of strategy games that came out, and both reviewed really well. Crusader Kings 3 has a 91 top critic average and a 97% uh, recommended rating on Open Critic. And then Iron Harvest which is a bit more of a sci-fi real-time strategy game, has a 77% top critic average and an 84% recommended rating. Any of those games interest? So Crusader Kings 3 is a grand strategy game, and the idea of those kinds of games are really interesting to me. Um, I watched a review, and it just reminded me that they're not my thing. I would love to play one of those games, but it's just far too involved. It requires a lot of... um, a lot of planning and details, and that's just not something I want to do right now. And same thing goes for Iron Harvest, which, again, is more of an RTS, like you said. Uh, just not my kind of game. Yeah, I doubt I will take a look at either of those. But Crusader Kings 3 in particular is getting just really great reviews. So if you are into it is. if you are into strategy games, particularly that old world uh, era, definitely check that out. And then WRC 9 World Rally Championship 9, uh, a rally driving game got an 83% critic average with a 100% recommended rating. So if you're into driving games, I would definitely check that out. And then uh, I wanted to include this game on here. Windbound is uh, it's a bit of an, well, it is an indie game, but it's a survival game that looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. But I, from what I understand, it's not like Breath of the Wild, only in terms of looks. But it's getting really mixed reviews. But The people who seem to like this game really like it, but it has a 66% average, 29% recommended rating. And the last game on the list is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, which those reviews just popped this morning, and it's getting great reviews. 86% top critic average with a 93% recommended rating. So of those last games, any of those pique your interest, Jackson? Uh, So I'm I'm pretty much going to be passing on all games. Um, I know that you're going to play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, so I'm excited to hear your experiences with that once you uh, start playing. Yep, I really hope that it is uh, as as fun as I remember. I did recently play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3 on my PlayStation 2, and 
Uh, definitely fun, but it wasn't as addictive as I remember. So I'll report back with my impressions of that. So that's the review roundup. We are now going to take a very quick break. And when we get back, we are going to get into the weekend previews. And again, we've got a jam-packed week. So we'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back. It is now time for the week in previews where we talk about all of the news about upcoming video games that came out for the week and occasionally give our hands on impressions of games before they come out. This week, we're going to kick things off with a PlayStation 5 story. I'm going to kick this one over to you, Jackson. A number of PS5 games will offer 60 frames per second modes. Yes, we kind of assumed this would happen, but we learned this from a Famitsu interview uh, with Insomniac, and they confirmed that Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart will feature two resolution modes, a 4K 30 FPS mode and 60 FPS. And again, this is something you get on a lot of first party PlayStation 4 titles already, especially if you got the PlayStation 4 Pro. So we also learned that similar games will get performance modes too. Those include Demon Souls, Astrobot, and Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yeah, and I even saw someone speculating about Gran Turismo 7 uh, getting a mode like this, and I'm kind of neutral on this. I prefer the the high-resolution mode, but um, I understand if some people are kind of disappointed that you might have to choose on uh, next-gen consoles. So, you know, some people I think are pleased with this, and other people are just thinking, give me, this is a next-gen console. Why do I have to choose? But um, it is what it is, I guess. Right, and I've become, since I've migrated more to PC gaming, I've become a stickler for frames per second. It's kind of one of those things where when you go one direction, it's hard to go back. Um, I recognize, though, that some games do 30 frames per second really well, and it's not an issue. But others, I see the frame dips. It's not a solid 30. It dips down, and that's when I notice I would really like a higher frame mode here. So I'm happy to see the 60 FPS option. Yeah, and we're just going to have to see these games. I think everyone's going to have to see these games for themselves to decide, you know, really, is this um, something that is worth any, uh, you know, is this worth worth getting disappointed about? I think we'll just have to wait and see when uh, these games come out. Moving on, we do have more PlayStation 5 details to talk about, but we are going to mix things up. The next story just came out this morning as we're recording this. Uh, There was a Nintendo Direct, kind of one of their surprise Nintendo Directs, where they finally revealed their 35th anniversary plans for Mario. And we got details about Super Mario 3D All-Stars. That was the big announcement, uh, which will release for the Nintendo Switch on the 18th of September. So it comes out in just a couple weeks, uh, just about a week and a half from when this uh, will post. And it includes Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, And the strange thing is that it has a limited physical release and a limited digital release, which will apparently only go through March of 2021. Very odd. But anyway, Jackson, what were your thoughts when they revealed this? So I saw a lot of commentary. I'm not so much of a Nintendo fan that I'm ever really going to watch Nintendo Direct unless it's during E3. Yeah. But I saw a lot of reactions of people just flipping out, losing it, and loving the fact that they're going to get to play Super Mario 64, Sunshine, and Galaxy. That's a really good trio of games. Heck yeah. And so I'm, yeah, Super Mario 64, I think, was one of the very first video games I ever played. So I'm really excited for that. I never had a GameCube, so... I want to go and play Super Mario Sunshine for myself. And then 
Super Mario Galaxy was awesome. But like you said, limiting this release, it's almost like a special run on, I don't know, a poster or something like that. It's a very strange decision, but it's also very Nintendo of them to do. It absolutely is, uh, especially with the physical release. I'm not sure they or anyone has ever done a limited digital release. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see how that just kind of plays out. Are people going to just scramble to download this thing? And and what are they going to do after that? Is this just never going to be available after March 2021? But um, very, very cool to see that they're, you know, this this rumor finally came to fruition. Uh, me personally, I'm a little disappointed that we don't get Super Mario Galaxy 2, but uh, I will live because, like you said, this is a spectacular collection of games. Uh, they also did announce a release of Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which is coming to Switch on February 12th, 2021. Uh Super Mario 3D World looks to be pretty much a direct port of that game from the Wii U. Uh, and then whatever Bowser's Fury is, we don't really know other than it's maybe a like a Bowser's Castle, a darker themed uh, expansion for Super Mario 3D World. Um, I'm assuming Jackson, not being the Nintendo fan, maybe that, that some of us are or I am, this might not be one you're playing or will you pick it up? Uh, yeah, this is definitely not on my radar, but <laughs> I I recognize that this is exciting news for a lot of people. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, so we and especially for people who've been just kind of fiending for some Nintendo news, it's been a really dry year. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we'll get more later in the year. But uh, yeah, this is really exciting news. But we want to again switch gears back to the PS5. The next story we want to talk about is that there are some. Uh, well, it's actually both consoles coming out this fall. The Series X and the P- PS5 has have some new uh, launch rumors. First of all, the PS5 is set to launch the week of, uh, rumored to launch the week of November 13th. This comes to us from uh, VGC. They have some uh, development and retail sources that seem to indicate that mid-November is exactly when the PlayStation 5 is most likely to land. And uh, this kind of, they they also say that the PS5 is likely to land after the Xbox Series X, and all of this lines up with the, the previous rumor that the Series X will potentially launch on November 6th, which we got from a uh, kind of a leaked photograph of some packaging. So uh, do you think this makes sense, Jackson? I think it makes a lot of sense, and I won't be shocked if this is actually when these game or these consoles are going to come out. And You know, we have a lot of big releases. If you look at the release calendar, a lot of them land. Yeah, like November 13th, I believe, is the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War release date. So that would be perfect for PlayStation. As we know, Sony has a great relationship with Microsoft. So that makes perfect sense. And then you've got Valhalla. Then you've got Cyberpunk coming out right after that. And that's all before Black Friday. They definitely want to get these consoles out before Black Friday. So if I'm betting money, this stuff is probably really accurate. Yeah, it seems to all line up for me as well. It just makes a lot of sense that Xbox Series X would try to get out before the PlayStation 5, get a little bit of a jump uh, on the whole uh, next-gen console sales picture. And the fact that these are these dates line up, you know, two weeks and then one week. Well, maybe it's three weeks and then two weeks prior to uh, Black Friday just makes perfect sense. So uh, I will uh, I will mark my calendars and hopefully we get these pre-order or hopefully we can pre-order these systems soon. I know. Did you actually catch, Josh, that Sony opened up their PlayStation 5 pre-orders, but it was like you had to sign up on the website and have a valid email 
And if you already had like PSN, they're going to send you an email. I did see that and I did sign up. I have not received an email. I do know that some people who I, uh, not who I know, but I've listened to some people on other podcasts who say they have received an email. So apparently those have gone out. I don't know what they entail, but yeah, I was kind of disappointed that that's how they decided to go about it. But uh, at the same time, I was too. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out because apparently PlayStation is going to be selling these systems directly for the first time. Uh, So I'm just very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, You know, obviously with COVID, retail sales aren't going to be the same this year. Uh, Who knows? Like you mentioned a few weeks back, who knows if Black Friday will even be a thing. So it's just going to be very interesting to watch. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, like, does Sony have the infrastructure in place to handle, you know, all of those direct sales? It'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. And however many they have, they're guaranteed to sell out. Both the PlayStation 5 and the Series X, I have no doubt, are going to sell out very quickly. Uh, So it's going to be crazy for them to handle that. But uh, we'll, you know, we don't have much longer to go before we see how it all plays out. Uh, Speaking of the PlayStation 5, anyhow, the next story comes to us directly from the PlayStation blog. Now, uh, Jackson, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a story where they released some information on their blog about uh, some features of the PlayStation 5, mostly the controller. They released a very similar blog post where they had quotes from developers talking about specifically the SSD and the 3D audio engine that's going to be featured in the PlayStation 5. Did you get a chance to review this blog post? I did briefly, and this one was a little less, or it was a little underwhelming compared to the other one, Yeah, at least for me. Um, basically, their SSD section was like, everything loads faster. Um, there, was a little, <laughs> there was a little bit from uh, Insomniac, I want to say, yep. that said, are there levels anymore? Something along those lines. So I think that's an interesting concept. It, you know, Does that unlock developers' capabilities and their creativity if you don't have to worry about you know, levels in the traditional sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've done some research on this and there definitely is a lot more freedom afforded to developers to build worlds differently with an SSD. And that has a lot to do with the fact that they can load assets so much faster. I mean, it's complicated. I won't get into the details, but level design should change as a result of the SSD, but they don't really get into that other than, like you said, this this, um, uh, quote about, uh, Ratchet and Clank. I mean, I, I can read it right here. The SSD and custom IO architecture allows us to send players across dimensions with near instant speed. That's not news to anybody who's watched these Ratchet and Clank demos. Uh, real quickly, the other thing that I think is interesting, games like Dark Souls or Demon Souls rather, where you work really hard to get to a certain point and then you die and have to reload over and over and over again. The SSD is obviously going to make those games much more uh a playable, enjoyable. I don't know what the word would be, but that's kind of the SSD side of things. They also highlighted some of the 3D audio tech. And again, nothing terribly new here, just how games with verticality are going to, uh, or the 3D audio engine is suited for games with verticality because now you can hear sounds that are above or below you and figure out where those sounds are coming from. And then they also did mention that... uh you know, you won't have to have a fancy set of speakers to hear this 3D audio. This will work with basically any set of headphones. So nothing terribly new there. Anything to add? 
Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. I've never thought about being able to hear sounds above or below. And so I'm curious in a game like uh, Warzone, for example, that's what a lot of people are going to be playing on their PlayStation 5. Are you going to be able to hear like a helicopter or an airstrike and know exactly where it is above you? That would be game changing. But uh, we're really not sure if that's, you know, going to make a huge difference. And then the whole bit about it doesn't matter what your headphones are or your speakers. I kind of doubt that. I don't know about you, but that seems a little hokey to me. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe I should clarify it's I'm sure there will be a difference. Like if you're listening with earbuds versus a really nice set of expensive, uh, like um, noise canceling headphones or whatever you might have, I'm sure the difference will be there. But the the point being that this technology will still work to an extent on any pair of speakers, whether it's your TV speakers, your your headphones, which is exciting. But yeah, I'm sure there will be a difference in quality if you're using a high quality set of headphones or speakers. We did get some more PS5 news. It keeps coming this week. Uh, This is not the best news, however, that uh, PS5 lacks backwards compatibility for PS1, PS2, and PS3 games. Now, this isn't a huge surprise, or at least it wasn't to me, but uh, this was posted, strangely enough, via a Ubisoft FAQ on one of their support sites that said, quote, Backwards compatibility will be available for supported PlayStation 4 titles, but will not be possible for PlayStation 3, PlayStation 2, or PlayStation games. So a lot of people were disappointed when this came out. So it sounds like people were actually holding out hope that this functionality might still be in the PlayStation 4. Did you, were you surprised by this, Jackson? Uh, I I can't say that I was surprised uh, because we've been talking We have talked several times, even on this podcast, even though we're only in episode four, um, about the separate strategies between Sony and Microsoft. We know that Microsoft is very much, uh, you know, Xbox family. We want you to play every single game that we possibly can get on the Xbox Series X, whereas Sony is going in a completely different direction. And so I don't think if you were to ask the average person, hey, does this surprise you if you're in the know on this stuff? No, this is definitely not surprising news. Yeah, I don't think so either. It is worth noting that this page was removed from that Ubisoft site. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, The next piece of news is more exciting. Ubisoft this week announced their next Ubisoft Forward stream. It's going to air on September 10th. The pre-show starts at 11 a.m. And it is going to air on, I believe Ubisoft will have a direct link. Uh, ubisoft.com slash forward, but you can also catch it on YouTube and Twitch. And the pre-show is going to feature Roller Champions, For Honor, The Division 2, and Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And the main show, which kicks off at 12 p.m. Pacific time, uh, that's here in the States, obviously, will feature Watch Dogs Legion. Sounds like that's going to be the main event. It's also going to feature Hyperscape, Rainbow Six Siege, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, which is formerly Gods and Monsters, and then uh, there are uh, apparently a few more surprises. So, Jackson, what what do you think? So it's funny, Josh. I actually recorded a video uh, before we hopped on the podcast talking about this very event because, um, as you guys, the listeners, and as Josh knows, I cover a lot of Assassin's Creed. Um, it's just flat out weird <laughs> that Assassin's Creed is not listed in this show. Um, it was something that was featured heavily in the previous Ubisoft Forward But I mean, we are two and a half months away from launch um, for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So it's just strange that they're not showing just a little bit, just like five minutes 
a little new trailer and featuring it within this show. Um, I will say that uh, I got to participate in a Ubisoft capture event and I did play Immortals Phoenix Rising. I can't say anything about it right now on this podcast, especially when it um, uploads. I will be sharing my thoughts after the embargo lifts, which I believe will be it will line up with our next show. So you can anticipate some details, some extra details, maybe something that you're not going to get on a typical news site in our next uh, episode of Preloaded here. But uh, yeah, so they're going to focus a lot on Watch Dogs Legion. Um, I wouldn't read into the more yet to be revealed surprises. And I also wouldn't expect Valhalla to suddenly appear after the main show when they do a deep dive because they explicitly say that the deep dives are going to be on games that are exclusive to this Ubisoft forward, meaning it's not going to be Hyperscape and it's not going to be Valhalla. Yeah, um, I was not as surprised that Valhalla wasn't featured here just because we got so much of it last on their last forward. And I, I think that game is a lock to be one of the biggest hits of the year. But um, I think the big news for me, and this uh, kind of came out prior as a rumor, just that Gods and Monsters, not only will that be featured, but that it got renamed. And I don't think that's necessarily cause for concern, but uh, just interesting uh, that it has been delayed so long and it has a, a new name. So I'm really excited to hear what you think of playing that game, and I'm excited to see what they show from that game. Again, it's September 10th. The pre-show starts at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And the main show kicks off at 12 p.m. Pacific time. So we'll have a lot of news out of that to talk about in the, the following weeks. Uh, next up, we have some PC hardware news. Now, uh, I am not a PC gamer, so I'm going to kick this one over to you, Jackson. Take it away. So NVIDIA revealed via an interesting live stream um, their new line of cards. And beware, if you are a PC gamer, you may also be more savvy than I am with the terms and the tech, uh, terminology. So uh, I'm I apologize in advance if I uh, mess some of this stuff up. But the GeForce 3, 3070, 80, and 3090 were revealed. And uh, the guy who was doing the reveal, apologies, I don't know his name, but he actually pulled the new card out of an oven. So it was a complete <laughs> meme. It was absolutely hilarious to watch live. Um, but these new cards are going to have better latency. They're offsetting a lot of the CPU load to the GPU because the GPUs are just that powerful. So we learned that the 3070 is actually really affordable. It's coming in at $500. That's obviously a lot of money, but at the same time when you talk about, you know, how much the, you know, 20 series was and how much the, you know, 1080 1080 mm -hmm. Ti are, that is really nice as an entry level for the new line of cards. But at the very top, we have the highest model, the 3090, which is going to be $1,500. So if you've got that much money burning a hole in your pocket, then by all means, it's going to allow you to play at 60 FPS in 8K resolution, which is hilarious to me because for a while now, we've had these graphics cards that are just outpacing screens. Like, yep. you know, who has an 8K screen? And if you do, then this is the perfect graphics card for you. Um, but a lot of their messaging was that ray tracing is the new standard and they're really pushing RTX. This is the second generation of that technology. Uh, so it's just nice to see tech pushing forward more and more. I was excited to watch this and I may think about upgrading my card. I've got a 1080 Ti. I'm pretty happy with it, but 
even watching this event made me think I might want to upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting stuff. I, I'm mostly interested in the ray tracing because uh, that kind of affects all of us gamers. And uh, I've seen some of the demos that have been released recently and they look unbelievable. So that's exciting stuff. It is. I'm so excited for this. Moving on, uh, we're going to get into our quick hits section. And this is really going to be rapid fire here because we, again, have a lot to cover. We're going to start with our Gamescom news roundup. As everyone knows, Gamescom wrapped up last week and we got a bunch of news, some of which we actually talked about on last week's show. But since that show aired after we recorded, we just want to cover some uh, major news points. All right, here we go. Starting with Fall Guys Season 2. That comes out in October and will feature a new medieval theme uh, with new costumes and medieval-themed rounds. Uh, The next bit of news, a new World of Warcraft expansion is coming. It's called Shadowlands, and it releases on October 27th and will let you explore the afterlife within Azeroth. Then we got a unfortunate uh, delay, which I think had already been announced, but the Lego Star Wars game, the Skywalker Saga, was delayed to spring 2021. We also got confirmation that PS5 and Xbox Series X versions are coming. Uh, Next, the free-to-play action RPG Genshin Impact will be released on PS4, PS5, uh, excuse me, PS4, PC, iOS, and Android on September 28th. Uh, if, if you're not aware, that's a very Breath of the Wild inspired, uh, looks like an open world action RPG. So pretty cool. The Sims 4, uh, we mentioned this earlier, the Journey to Batu expansion was revealed. Again, that comes out on September 8th, just uh, next week or this week even. And then uh, I just want to mention there were a ton of indie games revealed. So if you're into indie games, definitely go online, see if you can find some of the highlights. There was a lot of noteworthy stuff. One in particular that I thought looked cool, Origami 2. I love the first one. If you're into stealth games, that looks neat. So that's just some of the Gamescom news that came out last week. We don't have time to cover everything. Was there anything that I missed there, Jackson, that you were really excited to see at Gamescom? Uh, No, I think that hit all the high points for me. Yeah, and there was some stuff we covered last week as well. So again, just uh, too much news to cover in in one little short bit. But a few other quick hits that came out in the past week. Hitman 3 got a a hard release date, January 20th, 2021. The PC version will be an Epic Store exclusive for 12 months. So that's sure to bum some people out. Uh, However, the the developers have said that that exclusivity enabled them to make the game they want to make. Kind of a familiar story we've heard with Epic Store exclusives. Uh, so it does, you know, it's not all bad. Uh, digital versions for the console will get the next gen upgrades for free. Uh, are you a Hitman fan, Jackson? Um, I, I played some of the originals, or I guess not originals. Blood Money is not a, an original, but um, I, I loved Blood Money. And then I like the concept of the new Hitman games, but unfortunately, when I tried Hitman 2, I believe um, I had some like weird technical issues on launch. So I ended up never playing it. Um, long story short, I will be checking this out if I'm not, uh, you know, just completely lost in cyberpunk or Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love Hitman, the the recent one. So I'm kind of in the opposite where I uh, didn't play the originals, but I played Hitman 1 and 2. And they're some of my favorite games on the previous generation. But with the new consoles coming out, I'm, I hope I can get to Hitman 3. I'm really excited for it. Next up, we got some information about uh, PAX, which is now PAX Online. Uh, PAX is going to run September 12th through the 20th, so that's very soon. 
And Gearbox, uh, among others, I'm sure, is going to be hosting a digital showcase that will feature Godfall and Borderlands 3. Uh, did you get to go to PAX ever, Jackson? Yes. Uh, PAX are some of my mo- my favorite, uh, above E3 even, favorite, um, sorry, shows, favorite conventions. PAX West is amazing in Seattle, and so is East in Boston. Yeah, I, I got to go to my first PAX last year in Seattle, and I loved it, had a great time. Really bummed that uh, you know we don't get any of these conventions in person this year, but certainly nice that they have figured out how to do this online. Looking forward to seeing what we see there. And speaking of seeing things that I'm looking forward to, Resident Evil 8 was uh, back in the news this week. It is going to get some sort of showcase, we don't know quite what, at the Tokyo Game Show, which is also an online event. This is going to air Sunday, September 27th. So stay tuned for that if you're a Resident Evil fan. Are you interested in uh, Resident Evil 8, Jackson? Totally. I'm really excited for this game. Uh, I've I've loved the recent Resident Evil games. Even like the first person experience was sort of, uh, it was an evolution on the series, but they nailed it. And it also had that classic feel. So I'm excited for 8. Yeah, me too. Uh, I love Resident Evil. I've played it all the way. I I played the original when it came out for the PlayStation 1, and I've been a fan ever since. So this is definitely something I'm uh, looking forward to. Uh, One other real quick bit of uh, TGS news that we got is Xbox did announce that they're going to have a stream or some sort of showcase, and people kind of got interested to know if there was going to be any Series X information. Well, Xbox did come out and confirm that no, there will be no new Series X information at Tokyo Game Show. So uh, you can lower those expectations before the event uh, if you were hoping for that. And yeah, honestly, Josh, I just wanted to interject and say, it seems like at this rate, Xbox and Sony are just going to ask you to, they're going to ring you up wherever you buy the console, and then you're going to find out how much it costs right on the spot. You just have to be prepared. (laughs) I will. I yeah. I guess that's what we're in for. I mean, just bring, bring enough money because you don't know how much they're going to cost. And I mean, it is. Some people are uh, getting really up in arms about the delay of this announcement of the prices. But I did hear someone recently make a good point that you know Apple every time they announce a new device, they announce the price like weeks before they release it. So there is a precedent for this, but not within the console market ever. So it's. It's going to be interesting to see when we finally, when this game of chicken finally comes to an end. The last bits of news we want to talk about this week are the uh, uh, some Avengers news. Now there was a new War Table stream. I did not get a chance to watch this, Jackson. Did you catch the uh, third stream of theirs? Yeah, so I've, I've just kept Avengers on my radar, and I've actually started playing it. We'll talk about that at the end of the show, but. Um, Yeah, they just covered some of their post-launch plans, and that included revealing Kate Bishop, which was a character that got leaked. Um, So we know that the post-launch heroes are going to to be Hawkeye, Clint Barton, I want to say, and Kate Bishop. And they're both archers, which is interesting, but they're going to have their own unique abilities. So that kind of debunks the theory that a lot of us had that there's going to be Echo characters that are going to be exactly the same. So I'm interested to see how they're going to differentiate Uh, those two archer ranged characters. Yeah, well, that sounds exciting. It'll be interesting to see how they end up, exactly how they end up rolling out these new characters. Uh, We did get one piece of news this week about how that will work. Uh, Kind of unfortunate, but it's not quite as bad as it initially sounded. Each character will have a $10 battle pass attached to them if you want to unlock everything that 
uh, is associated with that character. However, this does not apply to the six characters that uh, are launching with the game. So uh, it it kind of feels like they're not as quote unquote free as they initially said. But to be fair, each character is technically free to download and play when they are released. Uh, before we move on, did you have anything to add to that, Jackson? Yeah, for me, I, I get both sides, honestly. I think there's arguments to be made for both. I think it's a little annoying to say, here's this free content, but there's some strings attached. You can't get that cool costume unless you decide to pay. It's very in line with uh, a lot of models these days, though, like Destiny, for example, um, will sell you know extra content on top of a $60 product. Uh, in order to fund their ongoing live service project. And then there's also some uh, unfortunately scummy things like having $14 outfits. Like one outfit costs $14. I think that's just ridiculous. But, you know, Square Enix has been responsive so far to criticism, and they've made some great changes. Uh, So hopefully they hear this criticism. Yeah, I'm sure they're listening. They want this game to be a long-term success, and uh, we've all seen what happens when... Uh, the the vocal minority gets too noisy on these games. It can actually almost outright destroy them. So hopefully they're listening. That does it for the news. We are now going to get into our topic of the week, which actually transitions great from that last news story because we want to talk about games as a service. And, you know, I feel like everybody has their own kind of reaction when they hear that a new game is announced and it's a game everybody's looking forward to. And then we get the news that it's a game as a service. Me personally, it's sometimes a bit of a heartbreak, but I know there are a lot of people out there who love games as a service and that's all they play. Like people who, you know, Destiny is a great example of one that people um, who really love Destiny, man, they really love it. So there are two sides to this story. Jackson, where do you kind of fall on this games as a service? I don't know what you would call it. Genre. So for me, um, I, I'm kind of with you there. It's a little disappointing when I hear that tagline applied to a game because uh, it just kind of creates a lot of unfair expectations from the consumer and from the developer, in my opinion. Um, I think it creates this perpetual loop that this game is going to be never ending and it's always needing to come out with something new and exciting in order to keep player interest. You want to always keep player interest. And I think a lot of the times that takes away, it's a sacrifice from the first 20 hours that you're going to spend on that game. Now it's seen, and, and that's been the case for like the destiny games one and two, it's like the base game, not that great but then they start coming out with more content and raids and stuff like that. And you start to enjoy it more. Um, But I think we're seeing a bit of a shift here. Like Marvel's Avengers is a great example. A lot of people so far are enjoying the base game. And so I think if you can make a competent base game and then make the live service part of the game kind of just extra fanfare slash for those like power users, for those real big fans, then it works, but at the same time, I can th- I, I think that the genre is fool's gold in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would uh, agree with you, and I, I'm right there with you, uh, or at least with the people who are enjoying Avengers. I, d- I jumped into the full game last night after playing the beta, and I'm uh, loving it uh, so far. I have heard that the story is a bit short, but if this is something that uh, catches on and that other developers... Uh, 
either emulate or build off of. I'm all for games, live service games that have a strong single player component or that can hold my interest as someone who's mostly interested in a single player experience. I have no problem at face value with a game having a persistent online component as long as it can hold my interest as a single player game. And it seems like Avengers is uh, kind of breaking new ground on that front. So that's really exciting. And I hope that that's what we see with, um, you know, Gotham Knights and with uh, even more so Suicide Squad. Both of those games have, have, uh, said that, or both the developers of those games have said that those, you can play those games on your own. And as long as it feels like I'm not losing any of the experience or missing out on anything by playing by myself, you know, have at it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, The thing is, a lot of the times when you play games as a service, sometimes you get that sinking feeling that you're not playing the full thing. Like you paid $60, that was the price of entry. But then this content that is baked into that $60 is stretched over a longer period of time. Um, Another example of a really huge game coming out that will be live service is Halo Infinite. They've described Halo Infinite as a platform for the future of Halo, which just kind of is a wild thing to suggest. But at the same time, you've got something like Fortnite, which is a platform like and it's free to play. And so I think that games like Fortnite and more recently Warzone and Apex Legends, they've showed that uh, games can thrive on these big tentpole updates, keep people playing, deliver new content via seasons. Um, Those are a little bit different because they're free to play, whereas um, or actually Halo Infinite's multiplayer is going to be free to play. Completely forgot about that detail. Um, So I think it matters how you approach it, how you parse out and separate this content And uh, that makes a big difference for me. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned this idea of like fool's gold and that these companies see a a pot of gold maybe at the end of a rainbow. And when they build these games, maybe that pot of gold didn't exist. That's Mm -hmm. frustrating when you see these companies make games and clearly they're trying to jump on to a bandwagon and it's clearly a a money-making opportunity first. And then they kind of build whatever gameplay experience around that. And I feel like it, I, I wish that these games came into existence in the opposite fashion where someone had a fantastic idea for a persistent online world or experience and then they build it and figure out how to make money off of it. I feel like, you know, that's basically, I'm sure how well I don't know, but I would imagine that might be how World of Warcraft came into existence. They had this fantastic idea. We want to make this an online game and then they figured out how to monetize it. And that game is still going today. Um, but when it's, you know, a... Uh, uh, the Ubisoft game that came out recently is it is it Hyper Hyperscape is that yes um, I'm not saying that game is bad it might be a fantastic game but you know clearly Ubisoft was thinking let's try and make a battle royale first person shooter I think it's a first person shooter um, and here we are I doubt that that game is going to catch on Apex seemed to somehow figure it out but I don't want to ramble on too much I just I wish that. Uh, like with Halo, maybe they have an idea for how to make that game a great platform, a great live service game. But it kind of feels like uh, this leads into another topic with Game Pass. They have this platform that people are going to pay with monthly. And what better way to keep people hooked on that than to have all these games that are persistent, that you have to keep playing over and over again to get the most out of. So uh, it's it's hard to look at some of these without some cynicism. Right. I think we've been trained to look at it with a more uh, cynical eye. 
For sure. And I think I actually want to throw a bone to developers here. I don't want to be looked at as kind of an apologist here, but I think we as gamers have also taken many years to kind of learn the value of live service games. Um, and, you know, when we pay $60 for a Destiny game and then you go home and you play Destiny for like hundreds of hours, you're getting a lot of value yeah. out of that. And it creates this perpetual loop of wanting more, but I think it's hard as gamers sometimes to, to take a step back and realize, wow, I've gotten a lot of value out of this. And if I love this thing enough and I support these devs, heck yeah, I'll be more than happy to shell out 20 more dollars for another expansion. Um, so I think it's a learning process for everyone involved. And I think it's slowly getting better. But like you said, I'm, I'm still wary whenever I hear that this big new game is live service. Avengers is the perfect example. I'm still wary, even though I'm enjoying the single player experience. Yeah, and and <clears throat> again, to throw another bone out to developers, some developers have really figured out the free-to-play model in a way that provides just so much value to players. Uh, Fortnite, I think, is a great example uh, that where you could play that game for a really long time without paying a dime and, and just have a ton of fun. And if you do want to uh, pay... I, I'm not a big Fortnite fan or player, I should say, but as far as I know, everything that you can pay for in that game is a cosmetic, so it's not like you're going to pay to win in any sort of way. And those games, if you don't want to fork over the cash, you can get a ton of value uh, just by playing. So that's something also to to mention. Right. If you get an Xbox on the cheap and you all your friends play Fortnite and that's all you play you literally don't have to pay another dime outside of your Xbox Live Gold. And that is crazy that people can still derive fun and value out of that. So there's a lot of upsides and a lot of downsides to this. Uh, so that's uh, our discussion around this topic. We'd love to hear from you guys, uh, from our listeners, you guys and gals, I should say. Are there any uh, games as a service that you're looking forward to? Did you have a favorite like we talked about at the top of the show? Uh, or are you even a fan of live service games? You know, send us your thoughts. You can uh, send them to the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We are now going to take our second break and talk about what we have been playing this past week. So we will be right back. And we're back, and we're ready to talk about all the games that we've been playing. Jackson, it looks like you have been very busy this past week. What have you been up to? Yeah, Josh, I've been playing a lot. Um, first off, I want to talk about Wasteland 3 because it came out last week and got a ton of great reviews. I was kind of not interested. I said it was on Game Pass, so I might check it out because it's you know free. I pay with it with my uh, subscription, but... I checked it out and I got lost in that world. I loved it. It's a CRPG and it really reminded me uh, what it's like to play a true RPG, what it's like to really have a lot of choices and a lot of uh, player agency in terms of what you're doing in the game, what you look like, what you play like. I mean, it just blows my mind how much you're able to do in Wasteland 3. And so... Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to put it down because I'm, mm. I've got a plan. I've got a lot of Assassin's Creed games to play. Speaking of, I've been playing a lot of Black Flag this week. I'm just trying to get through it so then I can get to Unity, so then I can play Origins before Valhalla comes out. Uh, <laughs> I'm really going to need you guys to cross your fingers and, and hope and pray for me that I'm able to get through this stuff in time. 
but been loving Black Flag. Still love that game. Having a blast with it. Nice. I've also revisited Dragon Age Inquisition um, because I, I, I was looking back at some of my videos and I really liked a video I made earlier this year about Mass Effect Andromeda and how that game has kind of evolved and what it feels like in 2020. So I'm planning to do another video like that on my channel for Dragon Age Inquisition. So I've dipped my toes back into that game. I actually read um, a Jason Schreier book or Schreier book. Uh, he's a Kotaku, former Kotaku journalist yep. um, talking about the development of Dragon Age Inquisition and Bioware's struggles with uh, Frostbite. It's a really fascinating story. So I'm weaving that into it. Um, so I'm playing more Inquisition. Love nice. Bioware. Love those RPGs. And then... I'm playing Marvel's Avengers. I've only played two hours, but like a lot of press out there, I am really impressed with the story. And it seems weird to me why Square Enix wouldn't show more of it. I know there was two hours of it in the demo or an hour and a half, depending on how quickly you got through it. But I think it would have benefited more to show more of that rather than have the open-ended multiplayer live service part. Now, I understand that they're putting, you know, their focus and attention where the money is, and that is on the live service stuff. But I think it kind of painted the game in a bad light, at least for a gamer like me. Uh, so I'm excited to dive more into Marvel's Avengers. But show, so far, I love uh, Kamala. Miss Marvel is a fantastic character. And uh, her dad, like there were some scenes in there that almost made me cry. They were so sweet, so well acted, and so uh, well written in the very beginning. So... Uh, yeah, that wraps it up for me, what I've been playing. Very cool. Yeah, I, I uh, like I mentioned, I jumped into Marvel's Avengers last night, and I agree that it has the, the, the base game has a much stronger initial showing than the beta did, and it's mostly because of those story beats. The pacing is much better. Mm -hmm. uh, the production value is, for some reason to me, seems better than it did in the beta. I don't know if that's just me, but I'm really loving the Avengers. And I almost teared up as well. And it was a, a scene early on when Kamala, you know, I don't think this is a spoiler. It literally is the first scene, like Kamala meets one of the Avengers. And I, they just, yeah. they nailed that. They made these Avengers seem larger than life in the way that you would expect if if they were real. And it was just, as, as a comic, I'm not a huge comic fan, but I, I am a, uh, I dabble. And uh, that moment was really special. I really thought they did a great job with that. Uh, so Avengers gets a thumbs up for me so far. Not that far into it. And then real quickly, I played uh, the first chapter of Tell Me Why. If you like Don't Nod games, this is more Don't Nod. Uh, the storytelling is great. Uh, the production is not the best, but uh, good writing, good acting, and uh, some really interesting subject matter that you don't typically see in video games. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, the Last Campfire is the other game I've been playing. I don't know if you're aware of this, but no. Hello Games kind of shadow dropped this, the same developer behind Don't uh, No Man's Sky. This is like a little cute puzzle adventure game, and it's fantastic. Oh, if wow. You like, yeah, if, if you like that kind of puzzle solving and just exploring an environment uh, that's really colorful and kind of cartoony, look up The Last Campfire. Watch the trailer, and if the trailer speaks to you, you're going to love this game. It's awesome. Really yeah, highly I recommend need, it. I think, Josh, I need to start like scheduling in less sleep into my schedule <laughs> so I can start playing more of these games because it sounds like I'm missing out on so much. Story of my life. I'm a night owl. I I, <laughs> I I don't sleep at night, but then I end up sleeping in in the day so it all works out. But anyways, that's what I've been playing. We are going to now dig into our mailbag. We got some questions this week and we selected our question of the week from... 
uh, comes to us from Toenail. First of all, thanks to everyone for writing in. We read all of our messages. Um, and uh, just this week, due to uh, such a jam-packed show, uh, we're, we're going to limit it to one. But we got it from Toenail. And he writes in, or she, uh, what game are you always recommended to play that you just cannot enjoy? Anything come to mind, Jackson? Uh, for me... I think I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I have to you personally, I can't get into JRPGs. So this is going to be Persona 5 for me. Um, I, I, I it just the presentation does not land for me. The writing, um, the performances, the, every single character just seems ridiculous to me and it doesn't gel uh, with me and what I'm used to from a Western RPG. And it's just a hump that I have not gotten over, over, and I don't know that I ever will. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, you, we, we, not everybody has to like everything. So uh, mm-hmm. more time to play the rest of the games out there. For me, right. it's uh, I guess it technically is a JRPG Pokemon. I have tried I, now JRPGs in general. I'm cool with. I, I've played plenty, but I've tried over and over again to get into Pokemon. Most recently, I tried with Sword and Shield, or Sword rather, and on paper, sounds like a game I would love, but it, they just start out too slow, and I can't get into the the gameplay loop that seems to hook people for so many, so many hours, and that's disappointing, but, uh, you know, again, I just kind of have to accept it. Maybe Pokemon's not for me. Yeah, I tried Pokemon. I believe I did Sword as well, and uh, I, I couldn't get into it. Yeah, um, but I'm really happy that everyone else seems to like it so much. So, uh, Toenail, thank you so much for writing in. Everyone, keep your questions coming. Uh, We'll try to get to as much as we can every week. And that uh, wraps it up. We do want to mention just a few things. Again, you can write in if you do have questions. Preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening on any of the audio platforms, again, please, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, drop us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. And finally, uh, Jackson, uh, it sounds like you might have some stuff coming up on your channel. Anything you want to plug? Yes. So I will be doing a preview of Immortals Phoenix Rising. It will go live on my channel um, September 10th, right after Ubisoft uh, forward is over with. So look out for that. And then by the time you guys listen to this video, I should have a video out about kind of my impressions of why Valhalla is not at this Ubisoft forward. So go check them out on my channel. That's youtube.com slash V-E-E. And then I'm also on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm JV on YT. Awesome. And you can find me. I'm at Quest Mode Games. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're not uh, subscribed to me on YouTube, just hit me up. I'm Quest Mode. And uh, with that, we are all done. That wraps episode four of Preloaded. We will see everyone next week. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.